Good morning again. Take your Bibles, if you would, please. And get them out. I want to ask before we even start. You love me, right? Now, normally, I ask that question when Pastor Dwayne and I have talked about things, not about you, talking about things, and it uh, coincides beautifully with whatever the Lord is talking to me about. I want to talk today about a subject that I know there's a very familiar passage that we're going to read right off the bat here uh, in the book of Ephesians, and it, it, it's going to be uh, enlightening to you. You'll probably amen it. But then, you may not amen after that, but not, not because I'm going to get mean that I know of, what, 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 because we're going to go to another passage where Jesus does a little talking. And we know that Jesus is love. We know that he is compassionate and caring, and merciful and gracious. But you know, there are some characteristics about our Lord, that let's be just totally honest about it, we don't understand. I want to talk to us today about anger. Don't raise your hand, but do you know anyone now in your circle that's angry? That's a, that's, you didn't have to raise your hand. The groans were enough. If you don't know anybody that's angry right now, here's what you can just be rest assured of, that you're not on social media. Because I, I personally, and I grew up in the 60s, and I, I don't remember a more angrier time than right now. Um, the division is rampant, and uh, Miss Kim always told the kids, well, she was really telling me, and the kids heard that, being nice matters. Being kind matters, and it does. Uh, you just don't see that very often these days. Amen. And, and I know we're talking about all the other folks, but let me ask you, uh, how about you? Are there some things that are making you angry? And here's what I know. I know that you wish that they didn't. I know that. And I, got, I, I, I gave you my word decades ago that I'm always going to be straight up honest with you about me. And I've been, God has delivered me from my inability to manage my anger. He has. Uh, I'm so thankful. If, if you've heard my testimony, you know that was, that was such a big thing for me. Um, it was a generational thing. And God, God delivered me from it. I'm so thankful. But, but I, I got to tell you, in the past six months, maybe a year, I'm, I'm finding myself, <laughs> Duane, I find myself, I, my patience ain't what it was. And I'm getting angry about some things. I'm getting angry at some people. And, 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 and this probably doesn't apply to you. And I, 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 listen, Dwayne and I have talked about this. We're so thankful that you let us just be us. <laughs> and, 
and let you know that we're struggling just like you're struggling in many ways. And for me, I, I hate the way I feel when I get angry at a situation. I hate the way I feel. I hate what it does to me. So with that thought in mind and with that spirit in mind, I decided, as, as I've said, I, I want to I I be in the mindset of training and not trying, remember? And so I can't just try not to get angry. I, I've, I need to go back to my basics and train how not to get angry. And I'm trying to work on figuring out what to do with these feelings when they come in. Because I don't want it to affect my reputation. I don't want it to affect how people allow me and are gracious to let me minister to their lives. And I've been working at this subject for a long time. And I, I, recently I've been digging into very specifically the... Uh, Jesus had all of those emotions that we mentioned earlier. But Jesus also got angry. And I know immediately your mind went to that one place in Scripture, right? Where Jesus got angry. You know that wasn't the only place. That's the only one we talk about. And honestly, I don't even think we understand that one. And so I want us to look at those situations because we, we know, we think of him as being compassionate and loving and all the things I said. He's full of grace. But Jesus got angry. But he got angry in a way that was still able to honor his father. And that's my goal. I want to get angry in a way that honors my father for the right reasons. And full disclosure, I know this message is risky because when I talk about this, it is normal for you to hear what I'm saying through your filters. Through your political filters and through your, you know, social filters. I get it. I really do. But I'm going to ask us to listen to the word today, amen? Because I, 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 everything today is politicized, amen? Businesses, schools, uh, even now, schools being open, schools being closed, businesses open, business closed, everything surrounded by controversy, amen? I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm, I'm just over it. I'm over it in the church. I'm over it on the job. I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm, I'm over the argument about a mask or not a mask. I'm just over it. I'm, I, and, and that's not even me giving you my opinion on which one I think is right. That's none of your business. But it is saying I'm over it. I'm over it being politicized and I'm over getting angry about it. I am. And you need to know today that I don't have an agenda. I don't have an agenda. Well, I, I kind of do. My agenda is speak to you about a very relevant subject and look at the Word of God and see what it says and maybe change our perspective on this subject of being angry. Are you with me today? Anger is something that we can experience on a regular basis, but I don't want to just talk about that topic. I want us to make sure that we understand that there's a lot of things that can make us angry, but there are still reasons to find joy. I'm going to say it again, and please don't miss an opportunity to encourage me because you need it too. So there's a lot of reasons to get angry, but there are still reasons where we can find joy. Amen. Amen. There are a lot of reasons to still smile. There's a lot of reasons to be grateful. And I know what you're thinking, Jeff, if you work where I worked, that wouldn't be possible. Oh, but it would. 
and it is. Jeff, if, 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 if your home looked like my home, you'd be miserable too. No, I probably wouldn't. I'd try to fix it. You can bet on that. But before, when we talk about it today, the question that comes up a lot is, is it a sin to be angry? Now, you, I know you've, you've already resolved this in your mind. So again, pray, pray for that one watching right now on Facebook Live, and I'm so glad you're with us. Pray for that one that is really struggling with anger, because you already beat it. I get it. But understand, it's not a sin to be angry. But angry can very quickly lead to unproductive and very destructive sin. Very quickly. In fact, I would suggest anger is that emotion that will get you there quicker than anything. You might argue, well, no, it's the pride that gets you there. I get it. But what makes you angry is when pride gets in the way. So anger is that accelerant. A anger is putting your foot on the gas, man. Anger is sending you from zero to 60, like right now. But anger in, its, in and of itself, it's not sin. It's not sin. Unless it leads you to do something wrong. And this is where I think, the, the, and you know I love the church. I love the big church. But, but here's where I think the church kind of gets this upside down. Well, it's, it's wrong for you, Jeff, but it's not wrong for me. There is no scripture in the Bible that's wrong for me and not you. And vice versa. There's just not. There's just, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's just real talk. I'm, I'm just trying to be straight up with you so we understand where we're at here. If it's wrong, it's wrong. So it can't be, well, it, I was angry, but it didn't lead me to do something destructive or wrong or sinful. I mean, it might have you, but it didn't me, even though I did it. Well, if it's in here and it's called sin, then it's sin, period. We need to accept that. We need to embrace that. And we need to change to meet that, not change this to meet me. Fair enough? So, that's, so anger is, in and of itself is not a sin. And I think you'd agree with there's a lot of anger in the world today. I, I want you to try not to look outside the walls of your own home or outside of you. I want us to look at you. If, if this applies to someone you know, take some great notes or, or, or maybe send them this, this, uh, this, this video of, or the podcast of this message, and that's great, and I'll, I'll thank you. But, but let's, let's be careful not to say, boy, I wish so-and-so was here. Because anger is that thing, man, that can just... Boy, it can get me bent right now, and I don't like it. And if you're anything like most of us, when it starts to fire up, it's hard to control, isn't it? So let's see in the book of Ephesians. I'm going to be in Ephesians 4 for a couple of verses, and then we're going to go to the, to the Gospels. Ephesians 4, verse 26, the very first part of that verse says, In your anger, do not sin. So it must be possible, amen. In your anger, do not sin. In other words, in your anger, when you get angry, you can't do something inappropriate. Thank you. Because it's not, and, and by the way, it's not inappropriate for the setting. It's, no, it's inappropriate. It's not the right response. If anger has you do something wrong, raising your voice, Raising your hand. You get me, right? 
cursing, whatever it is, when anger causes you to do something inappropriate, you just cross that line. And here's the danger. Crossing the line is the easiest thing in the world. <laughs> Amen. Getting back's the hard part. Because that stuff that shoots out of your pie hole when you're angry, you don't get it back, man. When I was a kid, our preacher used to say, it's like shooting a gun. You shoot the gun, you don't get the bullet, doesn't go back in. It's out. It doesn't mean you can't repair the hole, but the damage is done. Amen. Damage is done with your kids. Damage is done with your spouse. The damage is, you get, you get it. I, I, I'm, now I'm lecturing you. I better, better stop. Don't let your anger lead you to do something inappropriate. So in your anger, do not sin. The rest of verse 26, and do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Familiar verses, yes? You've all heard those verses. You all agree with those verses. You can't harbor bitterness. You, 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 when you forgive, you got to forgive, period. You can't forgive until the next time. Let me say it again. You, I'll preach over here with you, Tom. You can't forgive just till the next time. You're like, well, if they were sorry, they wouldn't do it again. They got their demons, you got yours. We can't just keep comparing who's got the worst hand dealt to them. Right? So we're responsible for us. They're responsible for them. And don't let the sun go down on your anger. You can't harbor bitterness. Paul continues, verse 27. And do not give the devil a foothold. You know that verse. You've got the image in your mind like I've always had since a little kid. The devil, you know, the red with the horns and, and the big tail. And he's got that, you know, that thing, that pitchfork looking thing with the arrow tips on it. And I think he's just got a sweet handlebar mustache. I don't know that, but in my mind he does. And as you're trying to shut him out, he sticks his cloven hoof in the door. Uh, he's got goat legs in my world. But he sticks it. You'll never get that out of your head either. He sticks his foot in the door. But you know what? That's not what it means. No, it's so much more than that. Because right now, in your heart, right now in your head, right now in your home, right now in this church, right now in this pew, the devil is crouching by the door. Waiting for you to crack it. Foothold doesn't mean he's like the traveling salesman that wants to get one more word in. No, it means this. Foothold means a place. More specifically, a room. So it's not that he jarred the door open on you. you he came in. You didn't run him out. In fact, you made him a place to stay a while. So it's not that he's just trying to slither in. No, no, no. What anger does, and the reason this is in context with be angry but don't sin, don't let the sun go down on your wrath, you know the, you know the verse, and don't give the devil a foothold, because those, it's a progression. It's a progression. Be angry. God's not chastising us for being angry. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But he is telling us, but don't sin. Don't do something inappropriate. Don't do something wrong. Don't sin. And if it's really bothering you, you got to get it right before you go to bed. I mean, I'm just saying this. I don't know when you might say, well, I'm off the hook because I work third shift, so I go in the day, so I'm good. That's not what I mean. 
I mean before the day ends. It just, it just means you can't harbor bitterness. Because you and I both know it will consume you. Anger will consume you. Anger, hurt, offense. Come on now. And then when you're offended, you get hurt. And then it, now you're angry again. Do you see the cycles? What I'm, and, and whatever you start with, it doesn't matter. Anger is that chess piece that can move anywhere. Anger is that it can go sideways. It can go up and down. It can do anything it wants to do because it gets in and the enemy sets up camp. And so when he's setting up camp, when he's got a room in your heart, in your head, in your home, in your church, wherever, everything that happened that offended you to get you angry, he now, he now translate everything else that happens in your life through that one thing. And the whole time someone's trying to even apologize to you, here he is. Because I mean, he's right there. I mean, he's like, he's, he's, he's just in the same room. And he's like, they don't mean that. How many times have they said, hey, sorry about that? And, and I know what you're thinking. You're like, well, aren't they supposed to? Yes, but it's not about you and I aren't responsible for the other person. We are responsible for us. Don't give the devil a place. Don't give the devil a room. Don't give the devil a foothold. If you try to imagine maybe trying to keep the devil out of your home, but you know he's going to come in, or you know he's going to try to come in, I should say. He doesn't have to. Anger not only cracks the door, man, he lays out the red carpet. Amen. And may I suggest that may, maybe that's part of the reason that so many marriages fail because of anger? I, I, don't, I don't know about your situation. But I, I, let's just, let's be honest, and I know we're making a broad stroke here, but could it be why so many friendships are hurting today? Because of anger? Starts with an offense, starts with a hurt. It could be, man, if you're not careful, your, your unrighteous anger, just, and this is the thing, it could compromise your integrity. It could compromise your reputation. That's not the only reason that we shouldn't be angry and then leading to inappropriate things. But it is a reason because we lose our witness. We lose our voice to be able to tell our story about the amazing gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. So maybe, maybe, maybe because sin can lead us to a, a, a bad behavior, we can end up making a compromise in our life. Listen, that we may never get back. I didn't say that God wouldn't forgive. I'm talking about reputation. In your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your sin. And don't let the devil in. So what we're going to do is we're going to look in Matthew 21, please. If you'll get your Bible out or your device, or you can just read the verse behind me if you'd like. But I want you to look at it in your Bible if you would. We're going to look at Matthew 21 at a time when Jesus got angry. And this is a familiar story, but I really, we're going to look at it today. And I hope, I hope you learned something. I know I did. Let me give you some context. Some context to this is Jesus is entering Jerusalem. It's right before the Passover because it's good to know what's going on. It's good to know the mindset and the attitude of the players in this story. 
So put yourself in the story. So now we're all going to Jerusalem. We're all going now to travel there for the massive celebration of the Passover where we're going to give sacrifices. And uh, Josephus, the Jewish historian, what a, uh, he's helped me so much in studying the word of God, said that normally in Jerusalem, there would be about 40,000 people there. But during the Passover season, there would be as many as a quarter of a million easily. Sometimes more. So not, 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 again, Jerusalem. We're not we're not talking, you know, the state of Kansas here. Jerusalem. And so these people in droves are coming to celebrate Passover and make their sacrifices. But but where was Jesus' mind during this? And you're like, well, he's Jesus. Yeah, but he's also human. So. You have to understand, as they're going into Jerusalem, Jesus, this was the last week of his life, and he knew it. I, 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 listen, and please, please, I'm not being condescending. I'm not downplaying whatever you're going through. It ain't as bad as that. Fair? That's fair, right? It's not as bad as that. Jesus knew it was his last day to live in that body. He knew it. It was five days before he was going to give his life, and he might have been a little uptight. Are we allowed to say that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah because I, I'm going to give him a pass, even if he wouldn't have done this right, because <laughs> what he was under, amen. So Jesus, the son of the living God who never sinned, walked up to the temple, and what he saw broke his heart. It broke his heart. It made him very righteously anger, and angry, and, and many times, I kind of wish that phrase didn't even exist because it's, it's an easy excuse for me to behave poorly when I get spun up about something that is a passion of mine. But what did Jesus see? Well, we're going to read in verse 12, but he saw greed, he saw hypocrisy, he saw things going on that literally made him angry and Broke his heart at the same time. He saw abuse of power. He saw a misuse of his father's house, the temple. I mean, it was just one thing after another. So he did something that was very out of character for him. In fact, it wasn't ordinary at all for him to do this. Although, I counted about five times in the gospel where he got angry. But it wasn't common. He turns over the table. Let's read it from verse 12 in Matthew 21. Your Bible says this, Jesus entered the temple courts, drove out all who were buying and selling there. So buying and selling. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. He preaches a little sermon after that. Verse 13 says, it is written. He said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Pause. This is classic Jesus right here. And I ain't going to lie. I've preached out of this passage a couple times, other sermons. I've never seen what I'm getting ready to tell you. And you've probably seen it. But when I tell you, go, what? Just act surprised. Because I've been reading the Bible for about 50 years now. And I've never seen this. And what I think, as I, as I got done 
beating myself up over never seeing this before, what, 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 what began to bother me was it was so common for Jesus to do what he does next that I overlooked it. In other words, the familiarity of Jesus being Jesus, I focused on the turning over the table part to make my excuse for when I did so, and I missed the whole reason that Jesus was there to begin with. Oh, come, come. So, so next verse. The scriptures say my house will be a house of prayer. You are making it a den of thieves. Matthew inserts this little, boom, just this, this, little, this little thing right in the middle of turning over tables. Are you in the story? Because if you're not in the story, you'll miss the punch here. Right in the middle of turning over tables. Right in the middle of doves flying everywhere. I mean, man, coins are going all over the place. Uh, paper money's flying everywhere. People are screaming, ah, kids are scared. No doubt people are stealing stuff, sticking it in their robe. Matthew recounts it and says this. Is, is there chaos? Is Jesus padded up to here for all the reasons we mentioned? And then, oh, this happens. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Because that's what I did. I gasped. Ryan, I gasped. I gasped when, when I read tables in that craziness the lame and the blind who were there for one purpose to be healed Jesus never lost sight of his mission he never lost sight of who was the most important in this story he never lost sight of his purpose he never Lost sight of his father. It says, they all came to him in the temple, and he heals them. To me, this is just a little hanging sentence that just kind of dangles out there like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, I need more on this. It's almost like, to me, when I read this, it's almost like Matthew's kind of combining two stories. You know how some of the the, 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 the chapters in the, in the Bible, they're broken up in weird places, right? And it's like, when did, when did this guy come on the scene? You know what I mean? That's kind of what it feels like to me. Because there's nothing but chaos and noise. And then he just turns around and starts healing people. Are you, are you kidding? So his anger didn't lead to something inappropriate. It led to the most appropriate action he could possibly do. And although this, this is a very, very unusual and unordinary expression for Jesus, he's healing people at the same time. He turns over. You know, honestly, there's a part of me that wished he wouldn't even have turned the tables over because that's the action part of the story. I, I, I mean, I'm just being honest. It's, it's, I mean, I kind of wish you wouldn't do that because, I mean, I turn over tables sometimes. You turn over tables sometimes. What I want you to recognize is Jesus was not characterized by his anger. Jesus was characterized by his compassion and his mission. It wasn't like Matthew was saying, yeah, and here he came in again. And when he came in, he turned over only six tables today. Normally it's ten. It wasn't that at all. The shock value is Jesus turning over tables. The shock value should be in the middle of that, he heals people. 
That should be the shock value for us. That's why I should go, okay, that's what I'm doing wrong. Am I okay? But it's not. We use the table thing as the excuse for us to ramp it up. And what Jesus is showing us here is so much more than that. I hope you're feeling what I'm saying. Because Jesus, he's known for his love, not his anger. So we should not be blown away that he flipped tables over, but that he was able to continue to minister even though he was angry. That is a lesson for me today. So my goal, just so you know, it's not to inspire you to go turn over tables at home. Don't turn over the dinner table at home and, and just, I mean, just find a reason on why you need to do that so you're more like Jesus. I mean, if your cooking gets criticized... Learn from it. Don't get mad and throw your dishes. I mean, that was just free. I want to show you three specific things in this passage that change the way I look at things, and I, and I mean it. If you're taking notes, number one, Jesus wasn't angry about what others did to him. He was angry on the behalf of others. I, I, I want us to learn how to be angry in a way that still honors God. And I want, us, I want us to leave here being very specific and intentional and even strategic as we move forward in our life with those we do life with. You, you're going to get angry, but make sure it's for the right thing and make sure it's for the right person or people. Jesus wasn't angry about what others did to him. He was angry about, on behalf of others. He wasn't offended by what anybody said to him or did to him. You know Jesus, right? The, the, guy, the Bible guy? He was never offended. I mean, I mean you're, you're looking at me like Jesus had some stuff said. Jesus had some stuff done. He never got angry about that. He didn't get hurt about that, then offended by that, which led to anger, which led to inappropriate behavior. It didn't happen. Think about Jesus. He always got angry when something affected someone else. That, that's the okay, quote-unquote, righteous anger, right? Right? He, he, he would get his heart broken over others being mistreated. Come on, somebody. Let me ask you, do you, do you think Jesus was ever betrayed? No, this, this is 100% participation. Do you think Jesus was betrayed? 100% yes. By some of his best friends. By his family. Yeah, yeah, he was betrayed. Do you think anybody was ever hating on Jesus? 100%. Like always, like to this day. Do you, do you think he was ever unjustly persecuted? Yes. Was he accused of things wrongly? Yes. Was he abused? Yes. Was he lied to? Yes. Did, was, was, he, was he abandoned by those close? Yes, yes, a thousand times yes. But he never got angry when somebody criticized him. He never got angry when somebody betrayed him. He never got angry on those things, ever. He didn't get angry when somebody disagreed with his views. Come on, somebody. 
He didn't get angry. In fact, he leaned into those conversations with love and compassion. He didn't throw some ambiguous tweet out with a verse attached to it. He did not do that. What he did is he leaned into it relationally with love. He never got angry at people who didn't agree with him. God, I hope it. He never got angry when political views differed. He never got angry about those things. God help me. Rather, he, he got angry when other people were being hurt, when other people were being cheated, when other people were being denied basic human rights. He got angry. God, I, hope. I think it would be wise for you and I. You know what? I won't even indict you. I think it would be wise that Jeff Burke doesn't anger audit on himself. What is making you so angry? Because I'm going to tell you the Sunday school truth right now. When I started doing that, I, I felt strangely, and, and, and I don't rationalize sin. I, you, I hope you know that. I don't rationalize my sin. I don't justify my sin. If, if God convicts me of it, it's done. Deal. It's, it's over. I'm done with it. But here's the thing. When I started trying to look at this through the lens of Jesus and his anger and how he dealt with it, there were some things I was genuinely angry about. Not because it didn't, because it wasn't, it wasn't really affecting me that much, but because it was hurting the people I loved. You know what? I felt strangely justified in that. I'm like, okay. So this is what it feels to be angry and not do something stupid. I can live with this. I can't because it made me start processing data in a way of how can I help those who are being hurt. Because I ain't going to start defending myself. Okay. Do an anger audit. Do an anger audit. What is it that makes you angry these days? At the end of the day, it's fear. But maybe you're just carrying a grudge. Can I tell you straight up? Man, I had to get over that real fast. was abused as a kid and I had I, I, I had to get over it man or I, man I had I had death in my eyes I had anger that was just out of control and I had to get over that and I'm not saying that like get over it. I'm not I'm not downplaying it I'm saying I was going to live in constant anger if I didn't if someone is telling you you're getting way too easily agitated Instead of firing back and getting more easily agitated, why don't you just stop and do an anger audit right then? And you're like, well, that's easy when we're not fighting. Well, then do it before you start fighting. No, that's the best time to deal with it when you're not fighting. Oh, you can visit that later. Just, hey, just rewind this back. Just listen to that like five times. You'll be good. Are you extra critical about stuff? Yeah. Maybe do an anger audit, but just be clear. When someone hurts you, lies about you, mistreats you, abuses you, gossips about you, betrays you, it's natural to get upset. So you're not hearing me ignore feelings. You're not hearing me say that. You're not, you're not hearing me say, just pretend it didn't happen. No, the good news is though we're not bound by the natural. So it might be natural to get upset but, but we follow a supernatural God that invites us in to give that anger to him. 
before we do something inappropriately. Amen, Jeff. And scripture is really clear to those of you and I who are Christ followers that are hearing this right now. When somebody wrongs us, we're not called to revenge. We're not called to hate. We're not called to criticize. We are, and I hate this as bad as you do, church, but we're called to forgive, love, restore, reconcile. I I get it. I mean, those words are like right here. They slow down. And then I got to say them because it's in there. And I'm held to it just like you are. But therein lies the question, how do you forgive those who wrong us? Well, the word teaches us clearly, and I won't unpack all of this because I'm talking about anger. He teaches us that we need to forgive as Christ forgave us. Hmm. And I don't know about you, but man, I've been forgiven of so much. I, I, I feel a little embarrassed, and I'll, I'll say guilty. Maybe it's conviction of when I get angry when somebody does something to me, and God's ha- he's forgiven me of so, so, so much. If I find myself angry over something someone did to me or didn't do or said to me or didn't say, if I'm a follower of Christ at some point, I've got to look at this, and I've got to ask God for healing in my heart. When we look at Jesus, he wasn't angry about what people did to him. He was angry at what people were doing to hurt people. He didn't get angry at entire groups of people. He didn't, man, man, all those Republicans, all those liberals, all those whatever your thing is, all those sinners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't do that. He was angry when someone dishonored others, dishonored his father's house mistreated other people. And if you don't know the details of the story, I'll tell you very quickly. He went, he went in and he turned the tables over and he ran out the money changers. And, and the money changers were the people that, you know, when you go to another country or whatever, you might exchange your money, right? So you would, you would, you would give money and they'll give you some money back. Well, it's kind of a common practice in many countries. They'll, they'll charge you a little bit when you go to exchange that money. So you won't get back quite as much as you probably it would be worth. You get what I'm saying. But, but because there's an exchange rate there, if you will. And money changers were the people that would exchange the currency so you'd have proper currency to use in the temple. So you would have the denominations and the kind of money you would need. And if you travel intentionally and exchange your currency, you know what I'm talking about. And what the money changers would do is they would mark it up, and they would mark it up a lot. No, I mean like a lot. So now... When you think about what the money changer's job was on this day and in this festival, who was that hurting? Oh, no, this is, this is children's church. Who is that hurting? The poor. Oh, okay. The poor. And it don't have to be the poorest. but it's anyone that takes advantage of someone else because they have the ability to do so, the means to do so, and there's no concern or care of how much it hurts. That made Jesus mad. That made Jesus mad withholding something from someone 
makes Jesus mad. Let's go a little deeper. Taking something from someone or not giving to someone because you can. Taking advantage, it upsets the heart of our Savior. And I find it interesting that he also, it's very clear that he also tipped over the benches where the doves were. That's where they were selling. They were selling the doves. You and I can't, can't use our faith, can't use the things of God for our own personal gain. See, the reason they specifically talk about the doves getting turned over, the benches that the doves were on, he didn't kill the doves, but he tipped the benches over. Yeah, he, he didn't do that. He, he just tipped the benches over, and he did that because you can't use that which was intended for the Lord's work for your gain. And that's different than what the money changes were doing. Are you seeing this? Why was he upset? He wasn't angry over something they did to him. He was angry on behalf of the mistreatment of other people. Number two, if you're taking notes, look at this. When Jesus wasn't angry about what others did to him. He was angry on behalf of others. When Jesus was angry, he flipped tables. He flipped tables. He flipped one more time. He flipped tables. And you're like, cool. See, I can't flip anybody, so I'm good. <clears throat> oh, my. You know, we can turn somebody upside down by attacking their character. I, I know that I have the ability, and I, and I don't say this pridefully by no means, please. <laughs> I'm saying it in shame, quite honestly. I have the ability. I can wear you out with my words. Oh, my goodness. There was a day I lived for it. I mean, like, blah, blah, blah. I could flip you upside down so fast that you would be frozen in your tracks. And, and you're like, why are you bragging about that? I'm not. I'm telling you, you don't have to physically flip somebody. You can flip somebody behind their back. Jesus, we have no record. I know your Bible says that the things he did, they're not all contained in this book. But I'm thinking he never punched anybody in the face. Again, I wasn't there. I don't know. I'm thinking he didn't. I'm thinking he never flipped anybody off. Now you're going, I've got to get this out of my head now. Now my Savior is... No, he never did that. You know what he did? He flipped over tables. He didn't attack people. You have no record of Jesus... Cursing anyone out. You just don't. He spoke in love. He spoke the truth in love. You say, Jeff, I, so, okay, so now you're telling me that I can just attack inanimate objects. Dwayne, that's, that's what I did. I'm so thankful, man. God, God protected me and my family. I never struck my kids. I never struck my beautiful wife. I've, I've never done that. But boy, I'd beat the junk out of some toys. That's how bad I am. My girls right now are just, they're like, stop, just, you need to just stop. I, I, I'll put some holes in some walls, though. You're like, well, you're an idiot. I am so an idiot. So I'm not saying you need to 
attack these inanimate objects like I did. Don't do that. So now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. See, because when I read this, I had to stop and say, nothing that's in this Bible is by accident. There are no fillers. I mean, there's not just a word count that has to be met by, the, by Matthew. It wasn't the case. So it's like, he said he flipped over the table. Why did he flip over the tables? Because Jesus didn't have to do things for shock value. Amen. There's a reason. Why did he flip over those tables? Have you ever asked yourself, why did he flip over the tables? And if you're like, I never asked myself that. He was just mad, right? Well, he was. But if he flipped those over just because he was mad, that would have been inappropriate behavior. So that wasn't it. That wasn't it. So I was stopped dead in my tracks. And I'm like, okay, well, there goes that study. Let me go to something else. No, I'm like, I don't, I don't. Why did you flip the tables, Jesus? And it was so clear to me. I was walking around in my backyard. I'm, I've got uh, the Bible I use at home. I had it out and I'm reading and I get to that. And it was as if, I mean, it, I mean, the neighbors probably think I'm just losing my dang mind. The tables represent the system supported by hypocrisy and mistreatment. The tables represent the system that destroys the other people's lives. The tables, he wasn't flipping over people. He flipped over systems. He flipped over the tables that represented the systems that took people's money, that kept people in chains. He flipped over the systems of people that had racial prejudices. He flipped over the system of those who would not give people the same rights as other people have. He flipped over the tables, and the tables represent the systems. He never flipped the people. Thank you, Jesus. You need to get angry about those systems. But you don't hate the people. Jesus, he came in and he's like, these tables, they represent crime. They represent hurt, pain, mistreatment, judgment. And I'm flipping them. It was a table where misdealings would take place. It's a table where people would cheat, hurting those who did not have the resources to stand on their own. In other words, when he... Turned over the tables. Please close this loop in your mind. He disrupted the system that perpetuated injustice. God, that's why we're here. I live for this. I live to fight injustice at any level, for any people group, for any person, color, age. I live to destroy injustice. And I can do that without flipping people. I can do that by flipping systems. And I couldn't be more excited about it. <laughs> we got to be careful. Because Jeff didn't just say it was okay to flip tables. No, we, we, we got to be led by the Spirit and not our flesh. Amen? I, I mean, it's so easy to translate our perspective into a righteous posture, is it not? I said, is it not? Yeah, 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 because this makes me angry. I must be righteously angry. Not necessarily. But just because we feel strongly about something doesn't mean that we're right. Amen. (sighs) 
so many people than I did for so long live by the life rules of, and all of their energy goes into being right. I'm reminded of, you know, in 1 Corinthians 13, there's this love chapter, right? Love is patient, love is kind. If you've been to a wedding, you've probably heard it. I try not to use it because everybody else does. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and being right. And the greatest of these is love. No, wait, hold on, wait. Oh, yeah, that's mine. Actually, what it really says is three things will last forever, faith, hope, and and the greatest of these is So when you're trying to be right, when it's not working, when you're not convincing the other one, whoever that is, whoever that people group is, that you're right, whoever that political group is, that's why anger pops into the play. Because we think that it's faith, hope, and being right. And so obviously the greatest of these is right. I love them so much that they need to understand I'm right. They'll thank me later. I bet they don't. Yeah, no, they won't. Absolutely not. No, because the greatest of these is love. Are you still with me? All right. Let's share when we're angry, we don't convert it to unrighteous anger. Our goal is to be loving like Jesus is loving. Amen. Jesus wasn't angry about what others did to him. Look at it. He was angry on behalf of others. Number two, when Jesus was angry, he flipped tables, not people. Number three, and I'll close. When Jesus got angry, he loved and healed those who were hurting. So that energy, that, that mindset, that attitude, and listen, nobody was more burdened than he was at this time in his life. So you can't say, I just got a lot going on. You just can't. I'm telling you, you just can't. I'm not saying you can't have a friend or a spouse. You can't. I get that, but you've got to be open with that. What I'm talking about is using it as an excuse to lose your dang mind. Because when Jesus got angry, he loved and healed. We read it. He loved and healed those who were hurting. Think back to our story. Who was it that could not get in the temple to worship? It was the poor. It was the marginalized, yes, It was the blind, it was the sick, it was the lame. They didn't have the resources. So Jesus didn't flip the tables. What he did was he helped the hurting. He didn't flip the tables for the sake of flipping tables. He didn't flip the people for the sake of flipping people. He flipped what he flipped to try to get to the root of the issue, to destroy that system. And then he turned and helped the hurting right there in the middle of his anger. Can you see this? It wasn't a flipping moment. It was a people-loving moment. And I love that about Jesus. Verse 14 of Matthew 21 says this, The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. God, Matthew made sure we understood, and we didn't miss this snapshot of Jesus' life. Because, listen, inspired by the Holy Spirit, they knew They knew we were going to get hung up on the table flipping part, like I did for all of these years. Even though I read, I've read this, Tom, I've read this. And it's like, oh yeah, that's what Jesus does, right? No, no. He's showing us that in the middle of anger, we can be productive. Amen. If you look carefully at the four gospels, and this is what I've been doing for the last couple of weeks, and I'm not done yet, and I ain't stopping When you look at it, every time Jesus got angry, 
And so far, I've counted five. You don't see him yelling. You, you don't see him doing something outlandish. He never says, I'm leaving the church. He never says, bless God, nobody's going to treat that me that way. I'm a child of the king. He doesn't do that. When you see him get angry, it's always because there's a group of people that are being oppressed, a group of people that are being mistreated and hurt. And so he healed them every single time. He loved them. He touched them. Your Bible says that he got angry when people were trying to bring the children to see him. You know that story? And his disciples are like, give the guy a break. He's really tired. You know, take a number. We'll get back to you. Jesus is going to lunch. He, Jesus, he got angry at the disciples. What did he do? He said, you bring them to me. And he touched the children because it was the children that were being marginalized and kept from getting to we still okay? We good? Can I have a few more minutes? Let's put yourself in this story and then I'll, I'll, get, out of your, I'll get out of your life for a second. <laughs> I want to make it relevant to us all. Let's, take, let's imagine, let's take, imagine for a moment that this is happening right now. And, I, and, and I could, we could draw a ton of analogies and I could make some cute metaphor about the whole thing, but, but let's just imagine that this is happening right now. Now, imagine what would happen in our culture today, right now, October 3rd, 2021, when Jesus would expose the corrupt money changers and the people that were treating others wrong and using stuff wrongly for, his, for their profit. Here's what's going to happen. It's going to be a giant news story, is it not? Absolutely it will. And it'll, 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 the corruption will be exposed. There'll be some hashtag that starts to trend. So when you click on it, you see all the stories. And then in our culture today, what we're going to do as a society, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do to these money changes what's coming to them. And this is where I speak the truth in love to you. What would happen today is the same that's happened since time began. It's just real common now. You know what we do? You know what the church should do? You know what us conservatives would do? I don't know why I had to use that little accent. Well, no, I think I do know why. But you know, you know what we do when it got exposed? We'd cancel them. Right? We'd cancel them. Canceled! Cancel, canceled! I'm not even looking at you. Look at me. I'm not even looking at you now because I just canceled you. Anybody want to deny that? Anybody want to, right here, openly, anybody want to say, that would never happen? Right now, raise your hand up. You have the floor. Five seconds. Whew. Because you know it's true. Am I right, though? Am I right, though? Cancel them because we love God. Wow, cracky. We're going to cancel, we're going to cancel those evil, corrupt people. We'll show them. The church has got to stand. Ha! I had to bark that. Now, for those of you who don't know what cancel culture is, one, yikes, and two, it's anytime generally, uh, 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 it could be a well-known person, it doesn't have to be, it could be a celebrity, politician, athlete, it could be a pastor, it could be whatever, your neighbor, it could be a business, a corporation, 
Anytime someone says something that goes contrary to our worldview, it's really, honestly, it's not even so much about this. It's about our worldview. They might have misspoke. They might have been uneducated. They might have been ignorant about the subject. You know what? They could have been dead wrong. Could have been sinning. But the minute it happens, you cancel them. Boycott them. And you know what's the saddest part about that? One, Jesus never did it. In fact, when he got angry, he upset the system and then loved everybody. What's, what's crazy, sad about that to me, I, I, is I've seen it happen so many times that people can be faithful and do good for decades turn communities around, build churches, build orphanages, be missionaries, and they say one thing, and we attack their jugular. God, forgive us. God, forgive us that we would try to destroy people like that. I'm one stupid sentence away from losing everything. Do you understand that? And I'm the guy that is so prone to say it. I'm being, I'm honest with you. Dwayne, he's got this, he's got a, he can communicate me. I just start riffing. They don't know that's a good thing. God forbid if you laugh at me, you laugh at me. I won't go in a while. But yeah, don't encourage me. Yeah. Think about Jesus. Come on now, let's, 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 let's turn this around. So that's what would happen today. Church would rise up and we'd cancel them. We would. But now think about this. Think about those who mistreated Jesus. Let me give you a quick short list. I just jotted a handful down. How about the Pharisees? Yep. How about Pontius Pilate? Yep. I find no fault in him. Oh, well. I'm oh, sorry, what? I'm oh, sorry, you just, no, can you say that again? Oh, well, your other friends will write about it three more times. But no. And I love, sidebar, I love in that Pontius Pilate Jesus moment. When Pontius Pilate says, um, are you the true king, Messiah, son of God? Jesus, all he says is, you know the truth. Oh. <laughs> Am I right, though? I want to be that. How about Herod? Remember Herod? Yeah, buddy. Uh, how about his friend Judas? You know who I'm saying next. Peter, Peter, they all wronged, hurt, or betrayed Jesus Christ. They lied about him. They misjudged him. He didn't cancel one of them. In fact, post-resurrection, he hunts his boys down, does he not? Last chapter of John Right before the church goes crazy, he's on the, he's on the riverbank cooking a little lunch, fish and bread, which I'll I know he used rocks to make those bread to, to throw that in Satan's face when they had that wilderness confrontation. Make the stones bread. I will. And what's he do? Hey, guys, won't you, 
Bring what you've caught and just come on over here. Peter, oh my goodness. Can you, I feel in my heart right now, I feel a, a little bit, I think, of what Peter felt. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine? Peter thought he was done. Done. But see, Jesus didn't cancel him. Jesus didn't try to destroy. Jesus profited his business. Jesus gave him more fish. Wait, wasn't just bad luck supposed to fall all over Peter? So he ran back to Jesus. No, your Bible says, and my Bible says, that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's his kindness that leads us. To, okay, so, so, so all of these folks Jesus loved, Peter was wrong, I'm wrong, you're wrong, Jesus is the only one right. Then all of, when Peter was wrong, just because you're wrong, it doesn't mean he cancels you. I'm so thankful for a God that didn't cancel me. I am so thankful for Jesus that didn't cancel my sorry behind because I have messed this up so many times. I've not been the dad I should have been, not been a husband I should have been, not been a grandfather I should have been, not been a pa I know it, I get it. I don't need reminded, I know it. But here's what I know. Jesus didn't cancel me, man. No, you know what Jesus did? He got angry about it. He got angry about it, and so he destroyed the systems in my life. He flipped over the systems in my life that gave me the power to do the stupid things. He flipped that over, but he didn't flip me. What did he do? He raised me up. He raised me up. Put my feet on a rock. Put a new song in my mouth. God, are you hearing this? So thankful. So thankful for God. Oh, he canceled my sin. Mm. Cancel my sin, but he didn't cancel me. Oh, I'm closing with one verse. Come on. Colossians chapter 2, two verses. I'm sorry, 14 and 15. Read this aloud with me, please. Now, he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Hold it. Look at it. He canceled your sin. Not you. Next verse. Read it aloud with me. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authority. The system. The systems. He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Jesus canceled your sin, not you. Who do we think we are? That we have the power to cancel someone or some, some body, some company, some church. Who do we think we are? If Jesus is willing to take it to the daggone cross, I want to get in that line. Because that's what he did for me. That's what I need to do for somebody else. We are so egotistical. The church is so egotistical. Well, you know, I, I, you know what I was taught the whole time coming up in church? And this is this gets you set on a wrong, this gets you set on a wrong mindset path. I was always told, well, you know what? Uh, there was a useless old lady that lived during the Civil War. None of these stories are ever true, by the way, when you hear these. They're preacher stories. There was no lady at the Civil War. I own the illustration books too. 
Oh, lady, during the Civil War and all the fighting's going on, she's just out, she's sweeping that porch and she's waving that broom around as the soldiers drove by or rode by. One day, an officer from the other side came over and said, why are you just waving that broom around? Because everybody's going to know. I can't do much, but everybody's going to know whose side I'm on. That is a horrible mindset for the church. Why would we want to be known for what we're against? Why would we want not, to be, not want to be known for what we're for? I don't need, if I'm loving people like Jesus, I don't have to weigh my brute so they know what I'm against. I don't have to do that. What they'll know is this joker, something is different that he loves me and I'm being as mean to him as I can possibly be. When did we begin drawing lines in the sand for our own? All right, pray with me. I'm, I, gotta be, I gotta be done. No, man, listen, 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 listen. I, I, got, I gotta stop. I, I gotta, I, I went too long already. You, you know the feeling. Don't you? Uh, listen, I wanna. I want to get angry and fight for those who fight for marriage. I want to get angry and I want to flip over the systems of people that, that hurt kids. I want, to, I want to flip over the system of people that think we have the right to mistreat the LBGTQ community. We do not have that right. I want to I flip over the table that represents the system of people that cast divorced people out of church. I want to flip over the system that tells you you'll never be good enough. God, I thank you. I just thank you. Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. God, if I could just speak a private prayer publicly, you should have canceled me a long time ago. You didn't. And I thank you. So, God, I'll live the rest of my life not canceling people. but I'll go to my grave flipping over the tables of injustice and sharing the amazing gospel of Jesus Christ. Forgive me for my anger. Forgive me when I let thoughts stay way too long 
May I get angry in such a way that it will lead me to do things that honor you. And I know that will never be to hurt someone else. Church, I don't know where this finds you. I don't. I really don't. But I know this. I know God never makes a mistake. And it's no accident you're here. So I, I just, I want us to pray together. If somewhere in this message God said something to you, about your anger, about how you're dealing with the anger of another person. I just, I'm going to invite you to just stand right, right at your seat. You don't have to come to the altar. Just stand. If, if, if this somehow, somehow what Jesus did ministered to you and you want to be someone that takes this now and uses that as a template over your life when someone hurts or offends I invite you to stand. We're just going to pray. That's all. <laughs> Father, you, you see our hearts. Not a word needs to be said because you know it all. But God, we want to publicly so that we can be held accountable and so that we can make a public profession of the desires of our heart and that is that you would change us. You would change our heart as we change our perspective on getting angry and how we live that out. How we get irritated. Lord, you've spoken to us today We, we invite you, God, to just continue to chip things away in our life that doesn't look like your son. And God, if this anger is one of them, we know it can be painful, but we invite you and we ask you, please, chip away. Mold us and make us. We love you. In Jesus' holy name, amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for your attention.